Chapter 12, Part 2 of the Commentaries on the Laws of England, Book 2, by William Blackstone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Roy Haynes. Of Estates in Severalty, Joint Tenancy, Co-Parsonary, and Common. Part 2. 3. An estate held in co-parsonary is where lands of inheritance descend from the ancestor to two or more persons. It arises either by common law or by particular custom. By common law, as where a person seized in fee simple or in fee tail dies, and his next heirs are two or more females, his daughters, sisters, aunts, cousins, or their representatives. In this case, they shall all inherit, as will be more fully shown, when we treat of descents hereafter. And these co-heirs are then called co-parsoners, or, for brevity, parsoners only. Parsoners, by particular custom, are where lands descend, as in Gavilkind, to all the males in equal degree, as sons, brothers, uncles, etc. And, in either of these cases, all the parsoners put together make but one heir and have but one estate among them. The properties of parsoners are in some respects like those of joint tenants, they having the same unities of interest, title, and possession. They may sue and be sued jointly for matters related to their own lands, and the entry of one of them shall in some cases inure as the entry of them all. They cannot have action of trespass against each other, but herein they differ from joint tenants, that they are also excluded from maintaining an action of waste. For co-parsoners could at all times put a stop to any waste by a writ of partition, but till the statute of Henry VIII, joint tenants had no such power. Parsoners also differ materially from joint tenants in four other points. One, they always claim by descent, whereas joint tenants always claim by purchase. Therefore, if two sisters purchase lands to hold to them and their heirs, they are not parsoners, but joint tenants. And hence, it likewise follows that no lands can be held in co-parsonary, but estates of inheritance, which are of a descendable nature, whereas not only estates in fee and in tail, but for life or years, may be held in joint tenancy. 2. There is no unity of time necessary to an estate in co-parsonary. For if a man hath two daughters to whom his estate descends in co-parsonary, and one dies before the other, the surviving daughter and the heir of the other, or, when both are dead, their two heirs, are still parsoners, the estates vesting in each of them at different times, though it be the same quantity of interest, and held by the same title. 3. Parsoners, though they have a unity, have not an entirety of interest. They are properly entitled each to the whole of a distinct moiety, and of course there is no jus accrescendi or survivorship between them, 
for each part descends severally to their respective heirs, though the unity of possession continues. And as long as the lands continue in a course of descent, and united in possession, so long are the tenants thereof, whether male or female, called parsoners. But if the possession be once severed by partition, they are no longer parsoners, but tenants in severalty. Or, if one parsoner aliens her share, though no partition be made, then are the lands no longer held in co-parsonary, but in common. Parsoners are so called, saith Littleton, because they may be constrained to make partition. And he mentions many methods of making it, four of which are by consent and one by compulsion. The first is where they agree to divide the lands into equal parts in severalty, and that each shall have such a determinate part. The second is when they agree to choose some friend to make partition for them, and then the sisters shall choose each of them her part according to seniority of age, or otherwise, as shall be agreed. But this privilege of seniority is then personal, for if the eldest sister be dead, her issue shall not choose first, but the next sister. But if an advowson descend in coparsonary, and the sisters cannot agree in the presentation, the eldest and her issue, nay, her husband, or her assigns, shall present alone before the younger. And the reason given is that the former privilege of priority and choice upon a division arises from an act of her own, the agreement to make partition, and therefore is merely personal. The latter, of presenting to the living, arises from the act of law, and is annexed not only to her person, but to her estate also. A third method of partition is where the eldest divides, and then she shall choose last. For the rule of law is, cujus est divisio, alterius est electio. The fourth method is where the sisters agree to cast lots for their shares. And these are the methods by consent. That by compulsion is, where one or more sue out of a writ of partition against the others, whereupon the sheriff shall go to the lands and make partition thereof by the verdict of a jury there impaneled and assign to each of the parsoners her part in severalty. But there are some things which are in their nature impartable. The mansion house, common of estovers, common of piscary uncertain, or any other common without stint, shall not be divided. But the eldest sister, if she pleases, shall have them, and make the others a reasonable satisfaction in other parts of the inheritance. Or, if that cannot be, then they shall have the profits of the thing by turns, in the same manner as they take advowson. There is yet another consideration attending the estate in coparsonary, that if one of the daughters has had an estate given with her in frank marriage by her ancestor, which we may remember was a species of estate's tale freely given by a relation for advancement of his kinswoman in marriage, in this case, if lands descend from the same ancestor to her and her sisters in fee simple, 
she or her heirs shall have no share of them unless they will agree to divide the lands so given in frank marriage in equal proportion with the rest of the lands descending. This general division was known in the law of the Lombards, which direct the women so preferred in marriage, and claiming her share of the inheritance, miteri in confusum cum sororibus, quantum pater aut freiter et dederit, quando ambula verit ad maritum. With us, it is denominated bringing those lands into hotchpot, which term I shall explain in the very words of Littleton. It seemeth that this word, hotchpot, is in English a pudding, for in a pudding is not commonly put one thing alone, but one thing with the other things together. By this housewifely metaphor, our ancestors meant to inform us that the lands, both those given in frank marriage and those descending in fee simple, should be mixed and blended together, and then divided in equal portions among all the daughters. But this was left to the choice of the donee in frank marriage, and if she did not choose to put her lands in hotchpot, she was presumed to be sufficiently provided for, and the rest of the inheritance was divided among her other sisters. The law of hotchpot took place then only, when the other lands descending from the ancestor were fee simple, for, if they descended in tail, the donee in frank marriage was entitled to her share without bringing her land so given into the hotchpot. And the reason is, because lands descending in fee simple are distributed by the policy of law for the maintenance of all the daughters, and, if one has sufficient provision out of the same inheritance equal to the rest, it is not reasonable that she should have more. But lands descending in tail are not distributed by the operation of law. So properly as por forman doni, it matters not, therefore, how unequal this distribution may be. Also, no lands but such are given in frank marriage shall be brought into hotchpot for no others are looked upon in law as given for the advancement of the women or by way of marriage portion. And therefore, as gifts in frank marriage are fallen into disuse, I should hardly have mentioned the law of hotchpot, had not this method of division been revived and copied by the statute for distribution of personal estates, which we shall hereafter consider at large. The estate in co-parsonary may be dissolved, either by partition, which disunites the possession, by alienation of one parsoner, which disunites the title, and may disunite the interest, or by the whole at last descending to and vesting in one single person, which brings it to an estate in severalty. 4. Tenants in common are such as hold by several and distinct titles, but by unity of possession, because none knoweth his own severalty, and therefore they all occupy promiscuously. This tendency therefore happens where there is an unity of possession merely, but perhaps an entire disunion of interest, of title, and of time. For, if there be two tenants in common of lands, one may hold his part in fee simple, the other in tail or for life, so that there is no necessary unity of interest. One may hold by descent, 
the other by purchase, or the one by purchase from A and the other by purchase from B, so that there is no unity of title. One's estate may have been vested 50 years, the other's but yesterday, so there is no unity of time. The only unity there is, is that of possession. And for this, Littleton gives the true reason, because no man can certainly tell which part is his own, otherwise even this would soon be destroyed. Tenancy in common may be created, either by the destruction of the two other estates in joint tenancy and co-parsonary, or by special limitation in a deed. By the destruction of the two other estates, I mean such destruction as does not sever the unity of possession, but only the unity of title or interest. As, if one of two joint tenants in fee aliens his estate for the life of the alienee, the alienee and the other joint tenant are tenants in common. For they now have several titles, the other joint tenant by the original grant, the alienee by the new alienation and they also have several interests, the former joint tenant in fee simple, the alienee for his own life only. So if one joint tenant give his part to A in tail, and the other gives his to B in tail, the donees are tenants in common, as holding by different titles and conveyances. If one of two parsoners aliens, the alienee and the remaining parsoner are tenants in common. Because they hold by different titles, the parsoner by descent, the alienee by purchase. So likewise, if there be a grant to two men, or two women, and the heirs of their bodies, here the grantees shall be joint tenants of life estate, but they shall have several inheritances, because they cannot possibly have one heir of their two bodies, as might have been the case had the limitation been to a man and a woman, and the heirs of their bodies begotten. And in this, and the like cases, their issues shall be tenants in common, because they must claim by different titles, one as heir of A, the other as heir of B, and those two, not titles by purchase, but descent. In short, Whenever an estate in joint tenancy or co-parsonary is dissolved so that there be no partition made, but the unity of possession continues, it is turned into a tenancy in common. A tenancy in common may also be created by express limitation in a deed, but here care must be taken not to insert words which imply a joint estate, and then, if lands be given to two or more, and it be not joint tenancy, it must be a tenancy in common. But the law is apt in its constructions to favor joint tenancy rather than tenancy in common, because the divisible services issuing from land, as rent, etc., are not divided, nor the entire services, as fealty, multiplied by joint tenancy, as they must necessarily be upon a tenancy in common. Land given to two, to be holden the one moiety to one, and the other moiety to the other, is an estate in common. And if one grants to another half his land, the grantor and grantee are also tenants in common, because, as has been before observed, 
Joint tenants do not take by distinct halves or moieties, and by such grants the division and severalty of the estate is so plainly expressed that it is impossible they should take a joint interest in the whole of the tenements. But a device to two persons to hold jointly and severally is a joint tenancy, because that is implied in the word jointly, even though the word severally seems to imply the direct reverse, and an estate given to A and B equally to be divided between them, though in deeds it hath been said to be a joint tenancy, for it implies no more than the law has annexed to that estate, viz. divisibility, yet in wills it is certainly a tenancy in common, because the divisor may be presumed to have meant what is most beneficial to both the devisees, though his meaning is imperfectly expressed. And this nicety in the wording of grants makes it the most usual as well as the safest way when a tenancy in common is meant to be created to add express words of execution as well as description and limit the estate to A and B to hold as tenants in common and not as joint tenants. As to the incidents attending a tenancy in common, tenants in common, like joint tenants, are compellable by the statutes of Henry VIII and William III before mentioned to make partition of their lands, which they were not at common law. They properly take by distinct moieties and have no entirety of interest, and therefore there is no survivorship between tenants in common. Their other incidents are such as merely arise from the unity of possession and are therefore the same as appertain to joint tenants merely upon that account, such as being liable to reciprocal actions of waste and of account by the statutes Westminster 2 C22 and 4 and C16. For by the common law, no tenant in common was liable to account to his companion for embezzling the profits of the estate, though, if one actually turns the other out of possession, an action of ejectment will lie against him. But, as for other incidents of joint tenants, which arise from the privity of title, or the union and entirety of interest, such as joining or being joined in actions, unless in the case where some entire or indivisible thing is to be recovered, these are not applicable to tenants in common, whose interests are distinct, and whose titles are not joint, but several. Estates in common can only be dissolved in two ways. One, by uniting all the titles and interests in one tenant, by purchase or otherwise, which brings the whole to one severalty. Two, by making partition between the several tenants in common, which gives them all respective severalties. For indeed, Tenancies in common differ in nothing from sole estates, but merely in the blending and unity of possession. And this finishes our inquiries with respect to the nature of estates. End of chapter 12, part 2